Welcome to the third and final part of Two True Freaks Retrospective of Steven Spielberg's films called Has Steven Spielberg Made a Bad Movie? <laughs> Alright, we're back now with, um, the, the name of this, this show is Has Steven Spielberg Ever Made a Bad Film? And there's, you know, been the ones we haven't seen. But so far, it's been a pretty big, pretty much a puff piece where both of us are sort of drooling over each movie, or you know, maybe we're lukewarm on it. But we li- we've liked everything that we've seen up to this oh, point. Definitely, definitely liked everything up to this point. Up to this point. Just to this point. Which is the next then- movie? Which is Schindler's List? Ugh. Yeah, which uh, I assume you're not the biggest fan of. Let, let me put it this way. Let me recap it for you. All right. Up to this point, Steven Spielberg had been nominated for Best Director three times for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and E.T. the Extraterrestrial. He'd been nominated for Best Picture four times for Jaws. Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., and The Color Purple, which I have not seen. So that's, you know, some of his finest work. I mean, some excellent movies, some movies of our generation. Movies that, you know, have stood the test of time, that are damn fine filmmaking. And that didn't win. And and in, in a lot of these cases... I mean, we, we've recapped what they were up against and what did it win, and, and nearly every time we've, we've felt like they got screwed, you know? I mean, are, are we in agreement pretty much on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I know I was rooting for the, all those movies, unless they were up and, against the Star Wars movie, but I don't think they ever were. And, you know, you, you had an excellent point about the color purple, and, you know, and I, and I think that bears reiterating, which was... You know, up until The Color Purple, Steven Spielberg wasn't taken seriously as a filmmaker, as a serious artist in the field of movie making. You know, he'd been making popcorn movies. You know, he'd been making fluff for the masses. Right, you know? pop culture. But he, but he hadn't been making art. You know, he hadn't been making anything that meant anything you know that had any had any artistic substance until he made the color purple you know and to me that argument is just it's fucking bullshit you know it really is you know when you make movie that is a masterpiece what what difference does it make what genre it's in you know it doesn't matter if it's a horror movie if it's a romantic comedy, if it's some fucking dry ass drama movie, right? You know, if science fiction, it it shouldn't matter if it's a great movie. It, you know, if it's a movie that appeals to people, it's a movie that that reaches across generational lines, across racial lines, across you know any kind of lines that, that that touches people deep down, whether it scares the hell out of them like Jaws or whether it thrills them like Raiders or whether it moves them like E.T. You know? But all those movies, in my reckoning, 
got snubbed by the Academy, you know, and, and Spielberg just wasn't considered in, in the same league with real movie directors. That is until Schindler's List. Suddenly Schindler's List comes out and I can't help but think and, and, and really believe that it's merely because of the subject matter of this movie. Now, this is not a knock against anything. This has my, my feelings about this have absolutely not a goddamn thing to do with the real event of the Holocaust. I, you know, that's entirely inconsequential in my opinion. I'm talking about Schindler's List as a motion picture. As a movie. Strictly, strictly as a movie. I mean, does this movie really, really deserve to be the one out of all of Spielberg's movies? Well, I'll tell you that... what. It's in black and white. <laughs> so? I, that upsy art ante from the color purple. But when you make a black and white movie nowadays, you've made a conscious choice to choose black and white. Yeah, and and, and I don't I don't get that. You know, I... I guess it's some artsy fartsy thing, but I just don't get it. You know, to me, it, it looks like you are too cheap to make it in color. You know, <laughs> I mean, honestly, it. it you know, I, I, I guess I understand the some sort of artistic thing behind it. I mean, you know, Psycho could have easily been made in color. Yep. You know, but still, you know, to me. It really boils down to one thing for me, is that, you know, Schindler's List was nominated for both Best Director and Best Picture in 1993 when it came out. And it won in both categories. And it was up against, let's see here, it was up against such other films as The Fugitive. Damn fine movie. Good movie. Harrison Ford. In the Name of the Father. Never, I never did see that. Sean Connery. Um... Oh, is he in that? I thought uh -huh. that was that Daniel Day-Lewis guy in that movie. I don't know. I never saw it. Oh, no, I'm thinking The Name of the Rose. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I think that is Sean Connery in that one. In The Name of the Father, I think that's uh, that's Daniel Day-Lewis in that one, if I remember right. Um, the Piano. Now, if this is the one I'm thinking it is, it's most notable for Holly Harvey Hunter's Kite bare ass. And Harvey Keitel's wanker. Yeah, is, I saw uh, about... Is exposed. Well, I actually, I was going to say I saw about five minutes, but actually, all I saw was uh, uh, my wife rented it, and I fast forwarded it through it just to see Holly Hunter naked, and that was as much of it as I saw. It, I, I saw that in the theater, and it was a good movie. And the remains well, of the day. Uh, that sounds like one of them boring ass Anthony Hopkins movies, if I remember right. Yeah, so I anyway, it was... now it. <laughs> Maybe it's just the matter the uh, of the movies that it was up against, you know. Now the, the fugitive. Well, it was a big deal. It was, you know, it was it was throughout the news, you know, because it was an important it was an important movie. It had all the the resonance of Steven Spielberg's Jewish, so he has roots in in the Holocaust, and you know, and it had the beginning part of it, the sort of documentary part with the survivors. You know, placing their respects. And uh, so, you know, that always gets a lot of play. P 
pe- that that make that makes it not just a movie to entertain you, but an important movie with an important statement. I get that, but then you know, going by that same token, then doesn't that mean that Pearl Harbor should have won Best Picture the year it was out? Or yeah, but it Pearl or, Harbor uh, was pretty much a big stinking pile of shit. Well, that's pretty you know. much how I feel about Schindler's List. Schindler, I mean, honestly, really? I know that's going to piss some people off, but again, I, I have to say this is not a reflection on the actual event. This is a reflection on the movie. I think Schindler's List sucks. I, I, you know, I had trouble just making it through the movie. Now, Tell I us love. What you really feel, man? No, I'm serious. I mean, I love <laughs> Steven Spielberg movies. You know, I, I enjoy the hell out of them, even the ones that. You know, might run a little slow or, or, you know, might have subject matter that I didn't originally care about. You know, like Raiders. You know, I, I, you, know you and I both said that, you know, when yeah, it came out, we were, were both like, yeah, you know, do we really want to see some movie about some friggin' archaeologists running all over Egypt? And then it turned out to be, a, you know, one of the best movies of our generation. Schindler's List just, it just didn't do anything for me it bored the hell out of me i it, it to me it, it's not a spielberg movie in the sense that it it doesn't you know spielberg movies have a feel and a and a look and a very distinctiveness of of their own and this is this where movie, that started to change a little bit yeah i know and it's not i don't think it's a good change because this movie to me plays like a history channel documentary i mean it looks like Holocaust footage. Yes. And and I don't, you know, I, I don't go to the movies to see that, you know. And, I, you know, I, I understand it's supposed to move you. It's supposed to shock you. It's supposed to repulse you. It's supposed to do all these emotional things to you. And it did do that. But more than any other feeling I got from this movie was boredom i mean i was just i mean it's just not a good movie it's just it's it's i don't think it was well put together i don't think it was i you know to me the the purest in me says that movies above all else are entertainment and i don't walk away from a movie like schindler's list entertained i don't it's walk not away a movie going, you watch over and over again that's yeah, for sure and, you know, and, and I mean, I understand that, you know, a, a, a moving movie, a, a movie that's supposed to reflect a, a horrible thing like the Holocaust is not, you know, a movie that you walk out of going, yeah, that was great. Yeah, you right. Know, I, un- I understand that, but I didn't walk away from it even properly mortified. I didn't walk away from it going, uh, uh, let me let me give you an example, Titanic. I walked away from Titanic actually like shuddering because the images in that movie at right after the ship sank and there's a beautiful pan back shot of 1500 people in the water fighting for their lives fucking terrified me because those are images as someone who is a lifelong Titanic buff and you know I, I, I read Walter Lord's A Night to Remember when I was a kid. Those were images I had in my mind since I was a kid 
reading about the Titanic of what must that have been like. And it shocked me to see on the big screen images from my own imagination of just how horrible these people died. They, you know, 1,500 people freezing to death. I should have walked out of Schindler's List feeling the same way. I should have walked out shaking and, and being horrified by what I'd seen. And granted, granted, that's not the same thing as walking out going, damn, that was great. But you do walk out with a feeling that you've been to something, you've been through something. And I right. didn't. I walked out of that movie going, Christ, if I never have to sit back through that thing again, you know. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't feel that way walking well, maybe, away from Spielberg movie. I wonder if you'd grown up like um, maybe in a Jewish family where the, the the Holocaust was something you studied and and visualized a lot, whether that would have uh, made it different. I don't think it would have, really. That, 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 no, I don't think it would either because... I don't you know, think that I, movie I, was I'm as not, much I'm about not, that. I'm not a deer, but I cry when I see Bambi. You know, uh -huh. I mean, I, True. I, you know, it, it, it's to me, it's a, you know, a, a good movie, an entertaining movie. You know, reaches you like I said before on, on, on across all levels. You know, I mean, Bambi, you're talking about. A, a, yeah, you know, I mean, a successful movie of, I mean, of any kind. You know, yes. is the movie that you, you know. Black people can watch, Jewish people can watch, white people can watch, you know, friggin' Eskimos can watch. Right. And watch and go, you know, wow, that, you know, uh, you know, like E.T., look at E.T. The fucking world fell in love with E.T. I mean, it was a worldwide phenomenon. Same director. Yep. You know, and, and to me... And I know I'm going to take some shit for this, but I think, I think Schindler's List got the recognition it did because of the, the large matter. Jewish contingent in the Hollywood elite, you know? And and I'm not saying that as a racial thing. I'm just saying that I I think that's what it boils down to. That is it that, got a lot of attention because of that? Or, yeah, I or really do think so. maybe a lot of people so. that vote on the, on the Academy. That could, that could very well be. But I think it also was... I think the acad the way the Academy works is like they're not going to give E.T. A, the award because E.T. raked in all that money. It's got all that money. We're going to recognize somebody who's doing our t – they want to seem, you know, classy and like they're making this, you know, big artistic decision. And Schindler's List, I mean, against all those other movies – it's got the it's got the big theme and it's and I'll tell you this there's been other movies where Spielberg's been knocking the Nazis you know <laughs> this isn't the first like anti-nazi movie that he's made but it was very it was very serious and it was you know it was one of those movies that was made for people to go to and come out and discuss it you know you know, when we get done with this movie, let's talk about was Oscar Schindler trying to help the Jews or was he just an opportunist who, you, could, you know, does it really, you know, it was, does it matter what reason he saved them for or, you know, it was, it was all made to, to spark conversation. And what's interesting, what's funny 
that, and I just made this connection in my mind when you said Psycho could have been filmed in color, and that's another one where Alfred Hitchcock, and it's funny, but in both these movies, the reason that they were shot in black and white both have to do with the color red. Right. Because he didn't want to film Psycho in color because that just that one shower scene with the blood would have been just too graphic. It would, probably would have been too intense for the time when it came out, and he didn't he wanted it to be super intense, but he didn't want it to go over the line to where he was going to end up getting censored or something. So he did the whole movie in black and white. And Spielberg, my my impression is, I, I don't have any, you know, I haven't heard an interview where he said this or anything, but I think he picked black and white for the sole purpose of he wanted that one scene with the little girl in the red dress because that was a big... Big, um, like in Schindler's memoirs or the book that he was basing it on, that was the big moment is uh, that he was watching the ghettos get cleared out and he saw the one little girl in the red dress just sort of walking through it like nobody saw her. And then it also punches home, the, uh, you know, I don't, I'm spoiler alert, but it punches home the scene later on when you see her body getting carted right. off to a mass grave and. And that scene, actually, when, when her body... Because the first time when I saw her in the red dress, and I'm like, okay, I sort of understand why there's color here all of a sudden out of nowhere. There's color in this. But it was kind of cheesy. But then when, later on in the movie, when all, just out of nowhere, you know, someone goes by with a wheelbarrow, and there's a, and the little girl's in there with the red dress, that was, that really got me. That was just like... You know, it caught my eye, and it was just like, oh, oh, my God, that's another reason why he did that. Oh, that's harsh. And there was another scene where, um, there, you know, I, I, there's isolated scenes in it that I really like. I think it was an overall good movie, but it, I don't think it was the serious masterpiece no. that everybody has... But there was a scene where he had the the woman who was a she was an architect she was a Jewish architect and she was in the camp but they were having her design the buildings and there was some sort of dispute over how they should build a building and she starts to argue with the guy and he just pulls out his gun and shoots her he's like I'm not even going to argue with this person and that that scene affected me in just the way it portrayed the cheapness of human life and the and the one scene where he tells. The one captain, I think he was like the captain of of the guards at one of the camps. He tells the guy, you know, um, he convinces him that, you know, it's sometimes, sometimes it's just as cruel to spare their lives, you know. And every once in a while, the guy will spare their lives because he, you know, because Schindler put that idea into his head. Hmm. And... And as, you know, and another thing is as to how much of this is based on hard, cold reality or not, who knows with the movie, you know, with the movie. But I thought it, I thought it effectively, it was one of those movies where I saw it and I'm like, well, I'm not going to watch that movie again because I got it, you know, I got it from that one and it was a very unpleasant experience, you know, it was not a, it was like when I went to see a, have you ever seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? No. It's a, a Terry Gilliam movie, but it's an adaption of the Hunter S. Thompson book. And I mean, that book is just this ridiculous story of him taking, you know, it's set in 
with him hunting down stories, but it's basically just him taking lots of drugs and the these exaggerated stories that go along with it. And it's a really funny book because it's really over the top. Cra- you know, craziness of language is really colorful. And the movie, it was Terry Gilliam, so he translated all that into reality really well. So well, in fact, that you walked away from it going, oh my god, I have a headache. For- I feel like I've done <laughs> like all these horrible drugs and have just reached the lowest points of, you know, human human capacity for life and uh and I, and I've watched it once more after that but it's not a, it's it's a successful movie but not a pleasant movie to watch and that's how I feel about Schindler's List mm-hmm. but I haven't watched it uh, sometime I might and it's a very long movie too which also you know it was sort of it was sort of like um um, the ne- the next movie that was sort of like that was uh, the Passion, right? Where where people got you know where it was the it was the talk and the idea of it more that I think got people's heinies into the theater seats because if there hadn't been any if there hadn't been any publicity about Schindler's List you would never get or if Schindler's List came out today you would never get people's asses into the theater to see it. The only way he was going to get that people in, because it's such a depressing topic, you know, people don't want to see it. Right. But then, but then if you get if you get that huge buzz about what an important movie it is, people go to it almost like it's a field trip. You know, we'll get the church, you know, we'll get the whole church together and we'll go see it as a field trip, and then we'll and then the, we'll talk about it the next week, you know. And it's one of those movies, and those are the ones that get. Those are the ones that get Academy Awards. You know? that, that just kills me, you know, because I, I just don't see movies that way. I guess, you know, to me, movies. Neither do I, but that's how the yep. Academy. That's how the Academy views it, or that's how it works out. It seems. Yeah, and I mean, it's definitely how it works out. I, I wish that they would be consistent, you know, in in what their philosophy is supposed to be with the Academy Awards, because I had seen. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. He he was he was a president of the academy at one time. It was this this videotape that we used to sell when I when I worked at one of the video places, and it was uh, it was an Oscar highlights tape, you know, and it was it covered you know all of all of the major categories through the years, you right. know. But he was talking at the beginning of it about how you know what the Academy Awards were to him. God, I wish I could remember this guy's name. Hal Holbrook? I think it was Hal Holbrook. That sounds right. And, uh, there you and go, ladies was... and gentlemen. It was Hal Holbrook. <laughs> there you go. Go on. It's now, anyway. <laughs> yep. So, you know, he's talking about, you know, to him, what it was was a recognition of this is the best work we have done this year. You know, we, we've looked at the body of our work, the body of everything that we have produced in the the field of motion pictures, and we've we've selected this as you know the the pinnacle of our achievement this year. And 
I guess that's my whole problem with the Academy Awards is so many of the pictures that they pick. I mean, do they do they really really exemplify you know the best we've done this year? Sometimes you know, they do, sometimes they don't. I uh, yeah. mostly they don't. I think it's I think basically the Academy Awards are becoming more and more useless and ignored yeah. as time goes on because Actually, the way the the business works now is it used to be like you got a movie out and it started getting nominated for Academy Awards. People go out to see it. But these days, right. movies aren't really out that long. And by the time, and a lot of times, most of the movies, by the time they work their way into like people know they're Academy Award nominated, they're off the screens and on their way on to DVD. And it'll help the DVD sales. Well, it but, seems also that increasingly the movies that are even fucking nominated for, like, Best Picture, I mean, you look at it and it's like, you know, what is there usually, six movies? You look at it and, like, five of the six of them, you're like, what the hell is this movie? I never even heard of this movie, you know? I mean, I understand that pictures like The Incredible Hulk are never going to get nominated for best. I understand that, and I don't expect a movie like that. They, you know, that they, they, that's they're not a, aiming for it at all. Right. But they're what not, kills me is when you when you throw out a token award, and to me, that's what Schindler's List that was is. It. The, the, that it's was finally token. Spielberg. You get your Academy. You get your Best Picture. Right. Here you go. And, and another one, you know, you th- finally th- made you know, the right movie. I gave up. I gave up on the Academy Awards a hell of a long time ago. But it, if I hadn't, the two that would have definitely broke me for the Academy Awards for all time were the the Token Schindler Award or Schindler's List Award, because that's really what it comes down to. And when which one of uh, I think it was the last one of the Lord of the Rings. To me, that was another token. I'm not saying that it didn't deserve to win, but the problem is, is that it comes off as a token. It comes off as saying, "All right, you fucking sci-fi and fantasy geeks, we're finally gonna throw you." Here's a bone. one that's here's one that's good enough, right? To do that, and you know what? I'll tell you what. I really liked Lord of the Rings. Oh, I did too. I didn't think it was the all-out incredible. You know. Like there could, you know, it's the like the sci-fi version of the Godfather saga or something. You know, Francis Ford Coppola. It was, it was very well. It was well directed. It was well acted, but it was still, it was still a little dry. <laughs> it was beautiful to look well, at. I, mean, I thought it was great, but the problem is, is that it's a fucking token. You know, a- after twenty some years of of sci-fi geeks like me ranting and railing. That they've ignored all three of the Star Wars movies. That they've ignored the Indiana Jones trilogy. That they've ignored Superman the movie. They've ignored E.T. They've ignored Close Encounters. They've ignored all these huge, huge, huge movies that have come out of the sci-fi genre. Some damn fine motion pictures of our generation. Then they finally just throw a token bone to the Lord of the Rings. You know what? Fuck you. I don't need your charity. You know, And to me... Spielberg and and Peter Jackson lost a lot of credibility by not coming right out and saying, you know what, fuck you, I don't need your charity because I, to me, Spielberg should have done that with Schindler's List. He really should have snubbed the Academy. Now I'm not really expecting him to get up in front of the Academy on live TV and say, you know what, fuck y'all, 
But you know, he, I don't he, even think the thought occurred to him at all. I think pulled, he was probably pretty psyched to get it. <laughs> he should have pulled a George C. Scott. He should have pulled a George C. Scott and not even fucking shown up. Because his, Mar- Marlon Brando did that too. You know, his other movies, you know, are, the other nominated movies are so much, so much better movies than Schindler's List. So much more deserving. Well, I'll, you bet, you'll find, I'll bet you'll find those movies on people's bookshelves <laughs> way Absolute. more than you'll find Schindler's List. You even the people through- who even the people who went to the movie theater and loved it as much as you could love it, but you know who went and thought it was great. Who's you know, maybe if you're a collector and a completist and something, but it's not something I'd want to go. Uh, you know, I, I as a matter of fact, I would say if you were going back to it an awful lot. There might be something wrong with you, you know. It might be kind of, it might be getting more on the creepy aspect of it if you were watching it over and over again, you know. I, I just think it's it, it's very justifying to me that you know the only other of his movies that that has received even close to the same accolades to me is, is right up the same alley, and that's uh, Saving Private Ryan. You know, that that was the only other one of his movies to be nominated for a major award and win. Again, another, you know... Important topic. Important biographical style topic. You know, there's nothing fantastic about it. There's nothing science fiction-y about it. it. It's a real story about a real event, about real people told in a very realistic style. And to yep. me... It, off is a real bore, just like uh, Schindler's List. Well, and of course, that's that's another one that wins. And it, I, I don't know. I well, I could go on about it. But, that one's coming you know. right up. So save your bile, <laughs> man, because it's coming right up in the next next chunk. Cool. The next chunk we blow out. Here are the nominees for best achievement in directing. Roberto Benigni for Life is Beautiful. Steven Spielberg for Saving Private Ryan. John Madden for Shakespeare in Love. Terrence Malick for The Thin Red Line. Peter Weir for The Truman Show. And the Oscar goes to Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg has been nominated four times as director and won the Oscar for Schindler's List. Well, <laughs> that was that. <laughs> now on to Amistad. That's one you haven't seen. 
Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I, I regret that I missed this one when it was out. I don't know what was going on in uh, in 97 that I, I missed this one because I, I try to get out for the Spielberg movies. But, uh, yeah, this one kind of slipped past me. I, I honestly don't even know anything about this movie. It's a, it's it's another big, sort of big theme one. It's uh, it's about a revolt on a slave ship. And it, it, follows, it follows basically this one slave from... When he gets conked on the head by a neighboring tribe and then sold as a as a slave to but to his trip over on the slave ship, which he leads a revolt, and they basically kill everybody else, uh, you know all the the slave drivers on the ship which who are and they sail into america and uh there's a trial so so the the first half of their movie is about the revolt, and the second half is you know their trial, their trial for freedom. This and is a true story. This isn't is it? a true story, and they're eventually granted their freedom. And it's a really good movie. The the beginning, the first scene in it is wickedly intense. It's like you're inside, you're inside the depths of a slave ship. You know how they would just pile people in like sardines, and right. he's he's just yeah. digging. He's just he's you know they're chained in, and he's digging at his chains with his finger. And, you know, his fingers are getting bloody and fingernails are all messed up. And then he gets a, then he gets a piece of, of uh, splinter and starts working the splinter. But it's all a real close-up and you can hear him breathing and the panic and, you know, fear and just being in this dark, you know, dark... He doesn't know where he is, you know, and he's trying to dig his way out. And that was a pretty intense beginning. And, uh... There's there's one scene where I don't know if it's because they weigh too much or they don't have enough food to get back because it's going to take them longer, but they just chuck off, you know, 30 or 40 slaves that are all chained together. They're all chained together at the feet, and they just throw a weight that's chained to them overboard, and one by one they get pulled into the water and pulled under to drown. And that Jeez. scene is real. That's really intense, and that's pretty much the breaking point. You know that that the the slaves decide that they've got to take over the ship. So the, so the the thing about this movie is the first half of it's really intense, and the second ha- half is a courtroom drama, and it's huh. it's very well acted. The guy who plays the lead sl- slave is is great as he s- slowly learns English, and you know comes to help defend himself but that it, it sort of suffers from that from the beginning being so intense and visceral and then the ending of it being sort of this not it's not a very dry courtroom because it was you know people were pretty passionate about it it was kind of uh you know it was kind of scandalous to, you know to take it lightly that that, that there was even a defense for these guys you know that they had a that there was a possibility that they could be free, you know, at the end of at the end of this. So hmm. it was it was a good movie. I recommend it. I have to check that one out. And now to another one of your favorites. Moving up Saving to, Private Ryan. Yep, to exactly, exactly ten years ago. I mean, I don't dislike it. I, I just it was one of those uh, you know, I, I didn't see what the big deal was. You know, 
that that opening sequence is what everybody talks about and to me that that's what made this movie was that whole opening yes. the you know the storming the beaches at Normandy yeah you know, like Amistad and then it slows down after that it comes I mean in with I, I challenge anybody who only saw it one time like I did to even tell me you know, what what the hell happens after the the storming the beach at Normandy tell me the story because nobody remembers everybody remembers the the storming the beach and how intense that was, and then nobody remembers the rest of the movie. Yeah. So, pretty yeah, much I mean, that movie just ca- captured the random "you could die at any second" feeling of being at war. You know, where any second somebody would just, you know, no matter how good they were, no matter how bad they were, it was just sort of random. Anybody could just, you know, especially in that first scene, people were just, you know, dropping like flies, and he didn't right. pull any punches with the gore. Or the way it was portrayed, it wasn't. It wasn't a collection of um, um, stock Hollywood, bam, you know, right. sound effects. He pretty much like found the people who went there and said, "What did it right. sound like?" And they're like, "Well, we couldn't really hear the guns, so you just hear the bullets bouncing off things and hitting things and like hitting the sand." And you know, once once something like that, ha- you know that. I mean, we get used to the language of movies being a, a certain level of fakeness. You know, when a right. punch is hit, when somebody hits, lands a punch on somebody, it's like hitting a big side of beef, you know, with cracking and slapping noises. When in reality, it's really not like that. But if you had a movie with that, it wouldn't seem as realistic as if you faked it up. But in this one, the fakeness of it, since it was such an intense thing happening the real the cold hard as realistic as possible aspect of it really drove it home and and pretty much as far as you can go that's as close as you're gonna get to what it would really be like oh, yeah, storming we, the beach at Normandy, and it sucked <laughs> hard. We have, a, we have a, um, a local DJ here in the the Atlanta area. I used to listen to, and he's a Vietnam vet. And he said that seeing that movie, he he said he just he just wanted to get out of the theater because yeah. he said it was so realistic that it was just taking him right back to to Nam, you know. Here, here's because something it, interesting. Do you remember Carmen Devino? He was a friend of my father's. He gave me those ink blots that John Lennon made. I remember the ink blots. Well, um. He was he was a cameraman in the army in World War II, and he was actually he was one of the people who stormed the beach in Normandy, but he stormed it as a cameraman. Holy shit! With a camera, and um, it's it's funny because my father asked him, you know, hey, you know, the footage they have is any of that yours? And he sort of glossed over what happened to the footage, and my father seems to think. That he got scared and like just ditched his equipment and probably like hunkered down somewhere, which who wouldn't, you yeah, know? Yeah, hey, if you were you if you were put on there with like he maybe had a little sidearm, you know, and a camera, and that was it, you know. Come on. <laughs> but he said when he saw that movie that it was it was very hard to, and he's a filmmaker, so he understood, you know, he. He might be able, you'd think, to deconstruct it a little bit, but it, he said it was so 
realistic and so much like it really was that it was very, very hard to watch. And then for the rest of the movie, he didn't really pay attention to it because he was so caught up still in that first part. But, you know, he was there. So... You know, yeah, and that. But there's there's little there's little elements of the intensity of the first part scattered throughout the rest of the movie, but it's basically just a getting from here to there story, you know. Right. And then with a with a little bit with a with a bit with a punch at the end of it, you know, just sort of, not really ironic, but just sort of tragic, and you know, it just sort of plays up. The Tom Hanks is a good actor. But there seems to be, he's just sort of deified in the movies, you know, they, he often plays very, you know, characters that get to die, a re, you know, a perfect tragic death or, you know, the, you know, they get this really, something really noble happens to them all the time. You know, he always plays astronauts and. Well, I was just going to say, it's, it's funny you should say that because I, I walked away from this movie with, with really just two things, and that was really an, an, an understanding and a newfound respect for my grandfather and, and anybody else who really was there, you know, who went uh -huh. through that hell. You know, I mean, because, yeah. you know, it's one thing to hear about it in school or read about it in a history book, but to have it really put in your face in this movie like it was and shown well, what the hell these guys went I was like holy shit that's, I mean, that's what my father's friend said he said when you see a battlefield in the movie you see people's bodies laying down there he's like but that's not what you saw he said you didn't see whole bodies you saw parts of bodies scattered right. every he said it was like a you know a, a landscape in hell you know and uh, and this was pretty much the first movie ever to bring it right to that real and you know it was it was pretty pretty uh, scandalous that Steven Spielberg made one of the goriest movies right ever still it's really gore really really gory you see what bullets do to a human body and it's not pretty and once again it's another one of those movies it's like even if you enjoy it it's like Really, why would you want to watch it again? You know, I it's seen it since I saw it the first time. Well, the, the other the other thing I took away was what you were saying about uh, Tom Hanks. Is uh, you know, I enjoy the guy as an actor. You know, I I, I loved him as Jim Lovell, the astronaut. You know, I, I liked him in you know everything he's done since Splash. But uh, he makes a, a shitty soldier. I just didn't buy him. Yeah. This, this was the first thing I'd seen him in in, in quite a while where I, I saw him and just said, you know, it, he's in the wrong movie. Because I, I see I see Tom Hanks, you know, I mean, he, he actually pulled me out of the movie, you know, because it right. starts out, it's so realistic and it's so intense and it's everything we just described. And then there's and then Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, and I'm like, yep. uh, Tom Hanks? You know, I, I just, it, it really pulled me out because... You know, yeah, the guy's a fine actor, but, you know, Sergeant Rocky's not, you know? He just didn't, I just didn't buy it. Well, you he know? was supposed to be the all-American G.I. Joe, but he's Tom Hanks. So it's, yeah. it's like if you had Jack Nicholson in there. Yeah, it, it just pulled me right out of the movie. I, I just didn't, I couldn't buy it, you know? I couldn't buy him. 
as what he was supposed to be, you know? I guess maybe it would have worked if, I don't know, you know, if they'd done something different. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, you you get these people and, and, you know, they do pull it off. Because I think of uh, Matthew Broderick in Glory. I mean, you think Matthew Broderick and you think the dorky kid from War Games and you think Ferris Bueller... Yeah, you know, but it, he's a very good actor. So yeah, but could, then they, you know, they put him in in glory, and God damn, if he didn't pull it off, he did a great job in that. Oh, that's an excellent movie, you know. Yeah. So I mean, it can be done. It just, you know, I just didn't buy Tom Hanks as as the commander or whatever the hell he was supposed to be. So anyway, moving along, um, we got. Um, uh, Yep. We have AI, artificial intelligence, in two thousand one. Now, now I'm really curious to know what you thought of this movie. I really liked it. Well, here's here's what the the only thing that colored my viewing of it the first time is it was really long, and about forty five mo- minutes into the movie, I I started getting the turtle head syndrome. <laughs> You know the green apple quick step where I was like, and I don't, I don't like to leave a, a movie to like go to the bathroom to get anything. So I'll, so I'll torture myself and sit through. You know, you you were there during Splash, so yep. I sort of spent, I sort of spent the whole movie. We 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 need to thinking, we need to clue them in on the on the Splash story though. Yeah, that, that for, hey, for we'll the listeners. <laughs> Splash the movie. The, the, Splash the wasn't story the. On... Yeah, Splash wasn't the effect of what ha- wasn't the end result, but it was a movie that you were. At. Uh, yeah, well, the, the the quick the quick story on Splash is that you know, for anybody who doesn't know, Splash was a uh, was a Tom Hanks movie about uh, him falling in love with a mermaid. So you know, a, a good portion of the movie has water and water effects and a water theme to it. And pretty much from the opening credits of that movie, I had to piss like a racehorse. But I didn't want to leave, so I sat through the entire goddamn movie having to piss so bad (laughs) that by the time the movie was over, I was like poisoning my blood system or something. I mean, I I thought I was just going to fucking die by the time. It was a painful movie for everyone because I was there because I was there (laughs) on on a, you know, quote unquote date with your cousin. Yeah. You, me, and your cousin, and I decided to do the old slip the arm over the shoulder thing. So my arm was asleep. It, you know, it felt like a cold, dead piece of meat. And and probably her neck was probably just throbbing. And she was probably like, oh, at the end of that movie, you went running out the door. And I'm like shaking out my arm. And she's probably just going, oh, God, thank God the thing's off my shoulders. I thought I was going to die. I really did. I thought I had, like, piss blood poisoning. You turned the color of a marshmallow. (laughs) (laughs) With a marshmallow sweating water and just shaking. And you were just sitting there and we're like, are you all right? And you're like, I'll be all right in a minute. But, oh, man. (laughs) All right. So Well, anyway, so I was having a little, not quite that bad, but I was having a bit of that during. So towards the end of it, I was sort of hoping it would wrap up a little quicker. I was, but upon second viewing of it, I'm sort of glad it sort of keeps going, and sort of keeps going, and just sort of unfolds at its own pace. And I, I really like this movie a lot. I the beginning of it, the first act of it, 
seemed almost like, you know, supposedly he'd been working with it with Stanley Kubrick, or Kubrick was going to do it, but then Spielberg decided to do it. But that whole first third of it really feels, feels like Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick. Yep. It's got that, that just sort of omniscient viewpoint that's very dry, very almost flat and lifeless, but it it it's never lifeless. It always has something going on and and um you know, the whole beginning scene with when, you know, he's first adopted and the scene in the very beginning where especially the scene in the very beginning where they have the woman robot and and he's showing him showing the robot to a class or to a group of people we're almost like watching a, a Stanley right and then once he's abandoned then it goes into back into Spielberg now this one I would argue is is somewhat of an obscure Spielberg so I mean for the sake of our listeners do you do you, do you think people are familiar with this movie do we need to give oh, any sure. sort of Oh, okay. No, I, I think this one because it was this came out right after Stanley Kubrick's death, and there was a lot of publicity about it. And uh, and uh, when I go garage selling, I see a lot of copies of this in people's CD collections. So I think yeah, I do too. I think it's one of his more recent like movies that that people will have watched and enjoyed and. You know, a lot of people, a lot of, you know, the general public now, science fiction and stuff like that is perfectly acceptable and to be enjoyed. So I think it was, you know, pretty widely watched. It was seven years ago. But, you know, it's, I mean, a, a little recap of what it's about wouldn't hurt. You know, it's about um, basically a child robot who's adopted by parents who have a kid who's in a coma that they think is never going to come out. So they have this robot that once a certain word or sequence is fed into it, it bonds with the parents. So the mother finally gets to the point where she bonds with this kid and then their child comes out of the coma and the robot ends up getting left abandoned basically by the side of the road yep. <laughs> to fend Literally, for himself. Yeah. And then for the rest of the movie, he's basically trying to find out who he is and his creator. And uh, it's sort of a, a grand adventure that takes, you know, it, it covers a wide swath of time. It, it does. I, I, to me, what I always had taken away from the movie was the fact that, you know, it, it really was a play on something that the, the creator says that the... The very, or actually, I don't think he says it. But I think someone says it to him: is that if you can create a robot that loves, then what is your responsibility, you know, to that robot? And to me, that that's what the movie was about. It, it was yes. about an exploration of that of that premise of, you know, in, in this case, it really it tugged at my heartstrings because it was a it was a child, right. And, you know, it, it was you know it was a robot, but it was very believable as you know as a real child, and and it was kind of a Pinocchio type of story. But you know, it, it yeah, definitely it, had a lot of Pinocchio in it, which is a, a Spielberg favorite. You know, yeah. I mean, it does. The story does kind of meander a bit, you know, because it does explore some strange and odd adventures. But in the long run, you know, the the you know not to 
spoil too much, but the end of the movie takes place, what is it, about 2,000 years into the future? Yeah, or more, just basically it's, after human civilization is far gone. Yeah, and it's way into the future, and this race of, of super machines finds him, finds the little robot boy, and through the advancements of, of technology and time, they're able basically to fulfill his wish, to fulfill his programming. And what they do for him is they they allow him one day with the mother that he bonded with. You know, now, now she had actually abandoned him and left him, but the way that they're able to pull it off, she she's basically like the perfect representation of what the little robot boy yes, needs to an fulfill idealized himself. Mother, and I'm telling you that part of that movie just oh it just yeah. slays every time i see it i mean it, it it's so moving and it's just sad it's just so sad you know i mean he's waited literally literally in this sense he's waited thousands of years for his mother's love and that's really what the movie is essentially about was yep. that in the end all he wanted was for his mother to love him and oh man, I'm telling you, it just it, it kills me every time I we get you know I get to that. Well, part the thing of the about movie. it is, it sounds so sappy, but Spielberg did it without an ounce of sap. That oh, whole last scene is uh, it's it's almost it's almost creepy in its sadness. The way it's lit, the way everything just sort of plays out. There's you know you can sense you can sense the sadness because the you know the kid knows that his time is limited. You know he knows it's. Only it can only go so far, and then it's done, you know. Right. And and there's just this inev inevitability about it, toward, you know, that it's almost like death, you know. That's almost like the point where death is realized in there, because you know he knows he knows she only has 24 hours, and once that's done, it's it's done. Yeah, that it was a, it was a fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I, I'm I've always been very sad that it didn't do better and and get more critical acclaim than it did. It, it, it was another warm critical. It was another one of those kind of like hook, you know, where where it seemed like it kind of took a beating, you know, undeservedly, you know, from from critics and and from you know Spielberg fans alike. To where it I got I it for being too long, having too many endings. Well, it's another that, one of those like hook where I, I just wonder if maybe just people just didn't get it, you know, that they didn't really yeah. understand what the hell he was going for. I, you know, I, I I like it's one of those things where I liked the things that people were complaining about. I thought that that's what made it different than other movies, you know. Right. That's what made it, you know, sort of stand out. And he did, and he's Steven Spielberg. He he put some thought into why he did it when he did it. And, uh, well, that's artificial intelligent. On to the next one, which I don't think you've seen Minority no, Report, right? No, I haven't. Not a, not a no. big Tom Cruise fan, huh? No, I pretty much hate Tom Cruise, so no, I, I miss this one. Well, you'd, you, you, you might not like this one because he's all over it, but this one's really good. This is one of the first Philip K. Dick stories that sort of comes off 
capturing the real spirit of Philip K. Dick. You know, if you have ever have you ever read the original version of Blade Runner, the yeah, Android Stream of Electric I hated Sheet? it. It's completely different. Decker is a completely yeah, different it's, character. It's, it's a completely different, different. It's completely different. Just like the basic sort of theme is there in the movie. There, there and, have been a number because for a while when I was younger. Whenever a movie came out that I, I really enjoyed the movie, I, I would make a point to to either read the novelization or, you know, if it had come from a book first, then I would track down the book. And, and right. Blade Runner was be that when I was younger, I really yeah, liked that's, that movie. And that's one of Philip K. Dick's worst books, really. It's it, one of his it, poorest. Well, I've never understood these books like that one. And, and another one that, that comes to mind is Logan's Run. Where they, you know, the movie comes out and they say, you know, based on so and so's book, and then you read the book Very and they're loosely. like, what the hell? You know, yeah. uh, Planet of the Apes is another one. I mean, the original, yeah. what's Boulet or whatever, yeah. bears absolutely Completely no different. resemblance to the movie. But yeah, anyway, Rod that, Serling had his merry way with that, you know, and it came out better for it, really. It oh, came out, so it had a whole different metaphor to it, but it worked perfectly as it was. And Minority Part is a good movie. It's a good gritty sci-fi. There's some really, it has a really good view into the future, where basically spam on your computer has translated into the real life. To where you, when you walk into a mall, every video screen is scanning your eye and going, you know, hi Scott Gardner, or are you hunting for comics today? We got the new issue of blah blah blah, and and so he's trying. Uh, a certain point he's trying to evade all scrutiny and he has to jump through all these hoops he has to put a fake eye in at one point and all these crazy and, and what he he injects this drug that completely like bloats up his face so that facial recognition won't get him and it's 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 very good it's a good chase movie and it's a good like view into a dark future movie i enjoyed it i didn't think it was like a masterpiece i i don't think uh it's 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 like a big it's a high budget one of the spielberg small movies but it captures that philip k dick where you're really doubting reality and it has a great the great concept of the three like mutated like teenage kids that they use to predict who's gonna commit the crimes in the future and he frees them and they're 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 you know they're precognitive and that that's that's very interestingly done but if i can not get past the whole tom cruise aspect <laughs> i might watch it sometime because I, I if i remember right i think he's a decent uh, actor but man he's off his fucking gourd oh yeah but we well, won't I, even I, get in maybe we'll do scientology it. someday if we really feel like getting <laughs> harassed um, I mean, uh, if, uh, if memory serves, I think isn't Total Recall based on a Philip sure K. Is. Sure I is. love that. It's so. nothing that that's nothing like <laughs> the movie. The the book is really good, but it's the you know they they just took the basic concept, a basic concept from the book, and turned the movie into a whole completely different thing. But the, and the next one is another one based on reality. The next movie, which I, again I've seen, but you haven't seen. My wife and I rented this through, I don't know, either Blockbuster or Netflix. I forget. We kept it forever and a day and never just watched, never watched it. it. So, 
Yeah, I wanted to watch it because I, I like the music to it. I, I've got the soundtrack and really like the soundtrack. It's it's a lot like an old. It's good. Uh, oh, what's his name that did like the Pink Panther and and those Blake ah, Edwards. Shit. Well, yeah. He, oh, Henry he direct- Mancini. Henry Mancini, yeah. Which yes. uh, I think I think Williams used to work for Henry Mancini at one point, so that maybe it was sense. him coming home to roost. But I liked it, and I, I remember seeing a scene where uh, he's like sitting in a diner or something, and somebody looks over his shoulder and sees the name Barry Allen and says, "Oh, sure, you're a comic book fan," and then that clues him into the whole Flash aspect or something like that. That's all I've seen of it. Right. But it, like something I'd get into just from the the comic book angle on it. Well, it's 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 Leonardo DiCaprio is a really good actor. Tom Hanks is a really good actor, and he's playing kind of like a dragnet character. He's a you know he's a dogged dogged FBI man, and Leo DiCaprio can basically just chameleon change into any sort. You know, he'll pretend to be an airline pilot, and he can convince it anybody that he's any anything and he basically just scams his way across the country and Tom Hanks eventually catches him and puts him to work for the FBI catching other you know because he knows all the scams so he helps him catch counterfeiters and scammers and it's a it's a really good it's a very light 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 movie you know very not not a high budget for Steven Spielberg. Probably the highest part of the budget was getting Tom Hanks and Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> that used fees. up their budget. Probably that was probably a good chunk of the budget right there. But it's worth it because they're the the backbone of it. You know, it's an act. It's an acting movie, and it's really good. You know, DiCaprio really portrays the character well. And another a light movie not something that's like really has a lot of resonance but it's enjoyable to watch and uh just like the next one which is another one you haven't seen now we give the the name okay did we give the name of the last one catch me if you can catch me if you can i think we did i didn't know Uh, if we gave the name maybe we did maybe we didn't um yeah i don't remember this was another one. I, I, I missed it when it was out. And to be honest, this was one uh, kind of along the lines of the color purple. I, I just didn't really have any interest in it. I'm not much for romantic comedies. I, I caught it. Yeah, there's not really any romance in it. Oh, it's is there so, not? No, it's, 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 it's um, this guy's coming from another country in a bureaucratic blip. Something happens in his country. And he's not allowed to go back to his country, and he's not allowed to leave the airport. So he basically just settles into the... He doesn't really know English. He settles into the airport, and then he figures out that, like, people who... They rent these carts. You know, you put a quarter in the cart machine, Mm -hmm. and you can cart it around. And when you put it back, you get your quarter back, but most people don't put it back. So he starts getting quarters that way, and, you know, he he's basically starts forming his life in the in the airport terminal which he can't leave so there's this sort of bureaucratic mess where they're trying they're trying to get him out of there but you know he's sort of standing up for his rights too by trying to figure out you know not letting them just sort of bump him away and it's really good it's 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 another light very good well acted by tom hanks there's a great scene where he's interacting with a security camera that's watching him and he's totally messing with it. That's very, very well done. Very funny. It's it's like one of the Spielberg's 
really true comedies, you know, it's just sort of funny funny all the way through. It's a little it's it's a little like it's an exercise in frustration. <laughs> you know, as he's trying to resolve his situation, but I I enjoyed it. Once again, not not a big Spielberg standout movie, you know, not it's it's a nice mo- it's a nice little movie in the canon of Spielberg movies, but nothing nothing to go nuts about. Now War of the Worlds, the next one, people went nuts about that one when it came out. Yeah, I'm curious to hear what you thought about this one. I liked it for the most part. I thought it had some really good I thought I thought the most intense sequence in it didn't really have the special effects. It was when they were in that guy's basement and the guy was just getting progressively and progressively more crazy and he realized that he had to off him. <laughs> that you know, that he just had to kill this guy because otherwise he was going to kill them. And I thought that was the most intense part of the whole movie. I thought uh, the uh, the uh, ferry boat sequence. Yeah, was that's very good. Intense. Now, I, I guess. Uh, well, let me ask you. I mean, I, I, how familiar are you with the um, the original uh, nineteen? I think it's like fifty six or fifty eight War of the Worlds. The the original I've, one. I've seen it once. I think. Oh really? Just the one? Okay. See that. And was, I liked it a lot. That was my problem with this. Was that? Now I realize that movie was made in the fifties, and you know a lot of a lot of people, even just of our generation, don't don't look favorably back on older movies. You know, especially older sci-fi movies where maybe the effects don't hold up as well or whatever. But. To me, this was one of those movies I just had to scratch my head and go, why Why the hell are they remaking this? Because, you know, War of the well, Worlds, to me, that's one of the classic sci-fi movies. I mean, I love the original War of the Worlds. As a matter of fact, uh, right around the time this movie was going to be coming out, um, I sat down with my oldest son and we watched the original uh, 50s one, and he loved it. I mean, he, he thought it was good. He didn't, you know, I thought he'd, you know, because sometimes I'll sit down and watch older stuff with him, and he'll be, you know, he'll just get that look like, oh, this really sucks, or this is really cheesy, or whatever. But he didn't have that reaction to, to War of the Worlds. So it, it kind of reinforced to me that, you know, what I had already felt is, you know, why were they bothering to remake it? So, but, you because know, because it was saw- Sp- Steven Spielberg remaking it. Well, you know, so then I I sought this out when it when it came out on DVD. I didn't see it at the theater, and I don't know. I after watching it, I, I kind of walked away with the same feeling of you know, why did they remake it? Because I was excited that it was Spielberg. You know, I, I I hate Tom Cruise, but I was seeing past that with it being, you know, it was combining two of my favorite things. It was combining War of the Worlds. It was combining Steven Spielberg. So I really thought that this movie was going to blow me away. And I, I walked away just kind of going, eh, you know. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I didn't I thought the, the, the very end of it was really stupid where, you know, everybody's reunited. That was just like so... It, it 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 just completely took a lot of the edge right out of it you know because it, you, you you 
it it was pretty much a certainty that that kid was killed, you know, and it made a lot. It made the movie a lot more intense and resonant that he was killed, and it seemed to me that Spielberg just couldn't do it, you know. Right. He wanted to do it, but he just couldn't do it. So at the end, they pull the kid back in, and everything's all right. And it was just, eh, I didn't like it. I, mean, I didn't it like had that. Some, I mean, it had some genuine intensity to it. It it, it did. Oh yeah. You know, it, it it did some things very well. It's just, you know, it, it didn't. It, it's like it didn't go all the way, like you say. It's like he had to. He like he felt he had to pull some punches at the end of the movie, and I, I didn't like that because. No, if, if did you I. ever watch, I mean, if you ever see the original one, I mean, humanity gets the living shit kicked out of them. I mean, at the end of that movie. Yeah, the aliens die, but you know, I mean, they've left us. <laughs> but we're picking left, up the pieces. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They have left us a, a shell of a planet. You know, by the time they're done, I mean, they've basically. I mean, at the end of the movie, it is the apocalypse. I mean, they they are about to exterminate humanity when yeah. you know when they finally lay down and die, and. This movie didn't quite give me the same feeling of, you know, yes, it was intense, and yes, there was some really horrific parts, but I never got the feeling that, man, we're we're about to just blink out. You know, I mean, these guys yeah. really have us over a barrel, and they're, they're about to exterminate us. I, I never got that feeling. And also, I, I kind of felt... No, it was very localized. That's why it was very just in a small... It all took place in Tom Cruise's sphere of... Yeah, of that, yeah, experience. That's true. That's true. I hadn't thought of that. And the other one took place, you know, you got more of a feel of the scope of it. And I think that was a flaw in the movie. I think it, I think you needed more of an idea of how it was happening everywhere. They 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 hinted at that, but I think they should have showed it. It would have made it seem more immediate and threatening. Well, I also I couldn't help but wonder if maybe the fact that Independence Day hadn't been very far yeah. past when this movie was made. If maybe that kind of stole some of the thunder, because that's that's very possible. You know, I, I thought Independence Day was a piece of shit, but it is basically the same story. And and yep. the effects. I mean, I can't fault them. The effects in Independence Day. You know, while I thought it was a, a you know a super super shitty remake. Of War of the Worlds, you know the original War of the Worlds, right? You you can't fault them for special effects. I mean that movie was just unreal special effects wise. So I I, I kind of wonder if maybe you know War of the Worlds this this newer Spielberg version didn't do as well because maybe it, it was being compared unfairly yeah. to uh, Independence Day. Well, a lot of people just loved Independence Day. It's like it's it's considered a classic movie today, which just mystifies yeah, me. Yeah, me too. It boggles my mind because it sucks. At best, I saw it in the theaters, and I remember going, "Well, you know, Will Smith's character made it watchable. He was pretty entertaining as that character, sort of, really." But for the most part, yeah, the special effects were good. Everything about it was just a stinking cliche of just every aspect of it every every emotional cue and you know then it had the stupid fucking shit like the dog jumping ahead of the explosion and stuff like it, it, come so, on it was well, to me you know pathetic. that 
in Independence Day is to War of the Worlds kind of the way I, I look at Jurassic Park to like the Beast from Twenty Thousand Feet. Right. It's kind of the same thing. It, it, it suffers the same, you know, sort of things. It's it's very lost cliche. in translation. Yeah. You know, it, it spends way too much time on story of a bunch of assholes I really don't care about, you know, and, oh, man, I could go on and on. That that yeah. movie, I, I'm i with you, man. I'm mystified, too. I don't know why the hell people love it because it's a piece of shit. It really is. Yep, and it gave that guy way too much money and clout to make other movies to <laughs> stink up the theaters for years afterwards and years to come. <laughs> And I've been tricked into seeing a bunch of his other movies thinking that they might be good, and I've learned my lesson now. Yeah, I liked Godzilla. I was probably the only one, but... No, I, I had fun. I thought Godzilla was fun. Here's here's a side story for Godzilla. My band actually talked our local giant cinemaplex into letting us set up in the lobby of opening day of Godzilla, and we <laughs> traded it for free tickets to Godzilla for the band, and we played the song Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> For three hours, as people walked into the movie, we were sitting there in military uniform and with we had the megaphones you know and yelling through them in like fake japanese and and we would finish the song and just fade out and start fading back in again, and we just basically <laughs> played the same song without stopping for three hours, and then we wow. all went to see like the midnight show of Godzilla. I'm glad he didn't hate it because I, I I did like it. I thought it was cool. I've got it on DVD and dig it out every now and again and watch it. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's no masterpiece, but I mean, no, it's, that's it's for sure. Idea. But it's 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 entertaining. It, I'll give it that. Well, we got one more. Yeah, we are in on the our list stretch. It's uh, Munich, and that's right up till recently. Neither of us have seen that. That's about the Israeli government getting revenge on a terrorist act at the Olympics based on a true story. And see, that's and, another and one the of ethics these involved in that. I guess I'm just not much for the real world because I... It's, yeah, any of I, I, I assume the movie's about the ethics of whether an eye for an eye is is right or wrong. I guess. See, he <laughs> I don't to, know. <laughs> he needs to throw, like more aliens and like globe trotting archaeologists into his movies and then I'd go see all of them because it's all these real world ones that I haven't because I'm, I'm noticing a pattern it's like you know Munich and Amistad yeah. and Color Purple you know it's all the real world ones I, I haven't seen and don't really, really have care no interest for, in haven't seen or don't care for yeah <laughs> well the ne you know his next movie is, is the new Indiana Jones but I think we should save that for a whole show Absolutely, yeah. I'd, I'd I could like to... blab about that. That one's freshy fresh. Oh yep. boy, it's got the new car smell right on it. I, I could, I could go for that. Now, it, it does surprise me that I mean that's quite a stretch. That's you know, two thousand five for Munich and then two thousand eight for uh, Crystal Skull. So you know, what the hell has he been doing for those three years? Yeah, maybe he's been trying to. Maybe he's been enjoying his life. Maybe <laughs> it took him three years to. Do it might have taken him a while to do Crystal Skull because he was doing it with Lucas, who was probably working on all his Star Wars. Oh yeah, you know his 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 stuff. So there was probably a lot of on and off. I don't know. They probably had to hurry it up because they probably wanted to get Harrison forward as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, 
I will say I'm very I'm very happy with how Harrison for uh, you know the last couple movies he's been in he's looked pretty ragged that one that he was in with Anne Hache he was looking pretty decrepit oh, God yeah. I yeah, was I just like, well, I don't think there's going to be another Indiana Jones, and that was like five or five years ago, or something. Four or five years ago, that movie came out. That was but a anyway. Walk. We we whipped right through uh, the the entire <laughs> Steven Spielberg catalog in about three, two, three hours, two and a half hours, something like that. Well, final Good work, final freak. thoughts on the uh, on the Steven Spielberg. Uh, Filmology? Uh, uh, yeah, my 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 answer to the question has Steven Spielberg it's taken all this time to get to this. Has Steven Spielberg made a bad movie is no. I don't think he has. I haven't seen all of them, but I'll bet you I wouldn't think they were bad movies. He's definitely done stuff that's you know, I'm not a hundred percent I don't like everything a hundred percent. There's definitely some stuff about him that annoys the hell out of me that crops up in his movies every once in a while. But for the most part, I think a Steven Spielberg movie almost automatically is in its own category. So I I just don't think he's made a bad movie. Even, even, even like Schindler's list, which I still think is a good movie, but if I was trying to argue it as a bad movie, I could only argue it maybe as, a failed experiment, you know, or so he tried to do something he hasn't done before and it didn't really work out that well, but it's still interesting to see someone like him try attempt that. But that's probably the worst I could say to it. Now, uh, (laughs) how about you? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, Spielberg to me, he, you know, like you say, he's, he's in one of those rare categories, you know, where, you know, he, he, you know, he's in a category like somebody like, uh, oh, I don't know, Walt Disney. I'm trying to think of anybody else. You know, Alfred where, where Hitchcock. I, yeah, Alfred Hitchcock. You know, somebody where I, I would really make an effort to see all of their movies, or, or at least you know, all of their movies within a certain genre that range, that appeals yeah. me. You know, within a certain range. I mean, I, I really, off the top of my head, I can't think of any other director you know that I, i've really gone out of my way to see all of their movies other than uh really the only other one that comes to mind is uh is walt disney you know i mean I, i've made a point to see every movie that, that he lot. personally had to well i'm not talking like the later shit you know but i'm talking like yeah. the stuff that that he had a hand in in his lifetime you know which really yeah. isn't that many movies but uh um I mean, I feel pretty much the same way you do. I, you know, he's got some that I, I think are absolute masterpieces that I think are going to hold up for you know well after he's gone, after we're gone. You know, movies that define our generation. You know, movies that are, are yep. true cinematic masterpieces. And then he's got movies at the other end that are kind of eh. You know, that that missed. You know, hit the you know miss the mark here or there, or whatever. But as far as answering the question, um, has he ever made a bad movie? I'd have to say yeah, but I mean it's only just that, that one. It's just Schindler's List. That's the only one on there that I would say is a bad movie. I mean – Is a stinkeroonie. Yeah, I, 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 I really I, – I can't find anything worth defending it over. I, I just think it sucks, but it's the only one. I mean – 
you know, when you when you consider this list and, you know, what is there's got to be 30 movies on here easy. You know, you consider that list, I mean, to have only one stinker out of all of these other movies that cover so many genres that, you know, that go from, you know, romps to horror to science fiction to, you know, historical fiction, you know, just all over all these different genres to only have one that's missed the mark. I think that's a pretty remarkable achievement, you know, and I mean, he's definitely yep. got more, you know, absolute masterpieces than he does, you know, so-so works. I mean, that, that he, says he quite may a be, lot. He's, he, he, he's definitely one of, if not the, like, American director. Oh, absolutely. In my opinion. Absolutely. You know, you, you, you have your, he, he's at least the modern equivalent of your Frank Capra's, but I think his... Yeah, and and Frank Capra and those guys, they they had large canons of movies, but I don't think they really had as many iconic. I don't really think they're even Hitchcock has as many iconic movies as Steven Spielberg has. Movies that have launched whole, you know, they they've blown people's minds in so many different directions and said, you know, how many people have been turned on to archaeology by Indiana Jones? Absolutely. Or about or thought about aliens after seeing um Close Encounters or even E. T., you know? Or how many people don't go swimming in the ocean? <laughs> well, I think, you know I I think the nicest thing I could find to say about him is that, you know, if, if aliens suddenly landed tomorrow and rather than demanding, you know, take me to your leader, they say, you know, bring me your finest motion picture director. I, I think he'd be the guy that, you know, you'd, you'd have to hand over, get. you know. I, I would, I, hand, yeah, if they had a job for him, I would give them Steven Spielberg to do it. Absolutely. I think that about wraps us up. I think. I think that wraps it up also. All right. Uh, All right. We can be uh, contacted through Gmail at uh, we're two true freaks at gmail.com. That's T W O two true freaks at gmail.com. And uh, do we know what our next show topic is? I don't think we do. Yeah, we sure do. We'll be tackling, we'll be tackling episode seven of Star Trek, of Star Trek, episode seven of Star Star Wars. Wars. Episode seven. And how, how, how things in the Star Wars canon have gone after Star Wars and how we would do it, how we, what we would do in episode seven how, and how we think it would how would we do it unfold should there be one what would it be like what could it be like yeah i think the i think we'll really sink our teeth into that subject as well i think right. that'll be a lot of fun i think that about wraps us up all right again we were two true freaks i'm scott gardner and i'm chris honeywell special th- nice talking with you freak nice talking to you special thanks go out to ann spatch for this episode and uh oh yes and uh, r.i.p <laughs> And I'll talk to you next time. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.